Wasn't our children's choir amazing? Yes. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Caroline Kim, for your leadership and uh, leading our kids in music. We are blessed for all the time and preparation you've made and, and taken. Um, today, uh, you have an insert in your bulletin and a message on Mother's Day. We want to do things just a little bit different than we have in the past. Up here, we have some red roses on my left and my right in the center. And in the past, typically we've had the mother stand and kids bring the flowers, and that's, that's wonderful. But, you know, the journey of motherhood, and I can't speak from experience, but uh, I know or from uh, knowing a mother and uh, knowing a wife who is a mother and experiencing many other journeys through ministry that the, the paths of motherhood have joys and sorrows. Um, time for rejoicing and time for grieving as well. And so I appreciate Pastor Pablo brought this to my attention a couple of days ago and uh, thought it would just be nice for us to have it in the bulletin to acknowledge all the different parts, uh, possible parts of the journeyhood of motherhood. Um, again, the joys and the sorrows. And so today we have these roses here that celebrate all the mothers with us, whatever path that is taking you on, whatever, wherever that journey has led to. And we invite you um, if you are a mother in some form or fashion of the mother's heart, to take one of these roses home with you today uh, following the service. But we love you. We appreciate you. We know that there are times of joy, sometimes of giving birth to a child, and sometimes there's deep grieving and losing a child. Um, and the many paths that that takes, as I mentioned. So we just want to know that we stand with you, we sit with you, we rejoice with you, and we, we grieve with you uh, in that journeyhood of mother, motherhood. And I would like to just pray for our moms this morning. Jesus, we thank you for our mothers, and we thank you for all those with us today who have experienced um, the journey of motherhood in some form or fashion, where there has been times of rejoicing and celebration or times of deep pain and grieving and sorrow. But Lord, through it all, we thank you that you promise to be with our mothers no matter what. That you will be with them, you will bring comfort, you will bring healing, and eventually, when it's all said and done, you will make all things right again. And so bless our mothers, give them courage and strength, and may they just have a deep sense of your joy with them and for them. We ask this in your name. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Now, I hate to do this, but maybe I should preach sounding like that. <laughs> well, guys, today's text is going to be in Matthew 25, 14. God is good. And all the time. Now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor John, you do preach like that. So... Uh, today we are looking at another parable of the Jesus told, Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. And uh, this is one of three uh, parables that are in a row there in Matthew, a trio of parables, if you will, that deal specifically with the coming or the return of Jesus. And it has to do with the waiting. Who are we and what are we doing in the time of waiting for Jesus to come back again? 
three parables. One of the slave left in charge you will find in Matthew. The next one, the wise and foolish virgins. And then the one we will look at today, the parable of the talents. And the question Jesus poses, without asking the question, but you sense it there, is, so which one of these are you? Who are you in the waiting? What do we do and who are we while we're waiting? Let's look at this, this passage in Matthew chapter 25. It reads like this. For it is just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man who, with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man with two talents also approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You evil, lazy slave. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and you will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Quite a story, isn't it? The parable of the talents is, is commonly referred to. The three slaves... The master giving him possessions to, to take. Some bring back quite a return, and one brings back just what he was given. It's important for us to understand how much these talents were worth. We might just see it as a little bit of change. But if you have looked at it at all, you will understand that one talent, one talent was worth 20 years of labor. 20 years of wages of labor. Now, for some of you, that might be quite a bit. For me, not so much. But 20 years of working every day. Now, if you take our minimum wage here in the state of California, and you look at that over 20 years, you're talking over $350,000. So one talent given to the one man $350,000 plus. Here, take this. Do something with it. 
to the one who had five talents, close to $2 million. To the one with two talents, just under a million dollars. This was not a little pocket change. This was not, here, here's a dollar, go do something with this. So as we think even of the, the man who had one talent, you don't give someone $350,000 if you don't think they can, they can do something with it. You don't give someone $350,000 thinking they're probably going to lose it all anyways. He gave to each one according to their ability. Apparently, the one who had one talent had quite an ability, at least in his master's eyes. But in his own eyes, maybe not so much. Now, when I told you the amount that each talent was worth, if you weren't already aware, you were probably a little shocked. Wow, $350,000. You maybe even thought, what could I do with $350,000? What could I do if someone gave me $2 million? And that is a lot of money. But let me ask you this. If I were just to remind us this morning that God has given us through the presence of the Holy Spirit because of the sacrifice made by Jesus Christ, peace beyond understanding, joy beyond sorrow, and eternal life, what would you say? Amen. Does that sound like more than $350,000? Or not so much? Because the Master has given us the treasures of heaven. Peace that the world can't give. A joy unspeakable. Forgiveness from our sins. And life everlasting. I would say a bit more than $350,000. And the Master has given us these graces. He's given us this life, this redemption, this reconciliation, this being made right with God. And while we can sometimes look at this parable and say, because it says the word talent, we might say, so what talents do you have? What gifts do you have that are you being used for the kingdom? And that's part of the process. But I believe the point of the passage is that God has given the people of his kingdom the riches of his kingdom. I like to refer it to the capital of the kingdom, right? The, this master gave his slaves some capital and said, here, go do something with this. And then we see what they did. In the kingdom of God, as disciples of Jesus, as his beloved, God has given us the capital of his kingdom to not only invest in our lives, but to invest in the lives of those around us. You see, the capital of the kingdom, God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, has been given to us not to preserve it, but to give it away. And the problem that churches have is when we think we have to preserve the capital of the kingdom and protect it from getting damaged. And Jesus shows us as our master, that's not what you do with the capital of the kingdom. You come and you recklessly give it away. 
And those who try to preserve the capital of the kingdom will get upset with those who are trying to give it away. Don't you know we have to protect this? Isn't that what the religious rulers were doing in the day of Jesus? Protect it at all costs. Even to the point where you're so confused about what God is up to, you are trying to kill the very one God who's coming to save the world. And yet Jesus, recklessly some would say, gave away the capital of the kingdom. Grace to those who don't deserve it. Now just stop and think about that phrase for a second. Is grace ever given to anyone who deserves it? Never. Grace is always given to those who don't deserve it. Because no one who's ever walked the face of the earth has ever deserved grace. It's been freely given by God. Mercy, compassion, and forgiveness, all part of the capital of the kingdom of God that God has given to us to share with the world and to invest in the lives of others. But let's face it, church, pastors and parishioners alike, sometimes we have a hard time giving away the capital of the kingdom. Sometimes, do you ever come across and say, that person doesn't deserve grace, and we withhold it? And I have to look at my own life and say, when did I ever deserve grace? And yet God extended it to me. That person hasn't deserved forgiveness. They haven't done this, this, and this yet. And then when they do that, then I'll forgive them. This person doesn't deserve mercy, doesn't deserve kindness. And so we withhold and we try to preserve the capital of the kingdom. And yet Jesus says to love one another. How? Like he has loved us. Goes beyond loving your neighbor. It's loving as Jesus has loved us. Forgiving as he has forgiven us. Of extending grace. You see, the interesting thing about this is that the view that the one slave had of the master affected everything. In verse 24, the man who had received one talent approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. The view of our master makes a difference, church. If we're afraid of God, if we question his forgiveness of our lives, if we doubt his grace and his unconditional love towards us, that is going to be acted out in our words and in our actions. Know this morning there is nothing to fear about God. Yes, we have reverence and respect, but perfect love casts out fear, and we have been loved with the perfect love of God. Don't doubt your forgiveness. Don't doubt the grace that God offers you. Don't doubt the mercy that he extends to you. The cross says it all. You are loved. You are forgiven. You've been made right with God. And now our master says, don't preserve that. Give it away. Give it away. 
Take the capital of the kingdom and put it into your relationships. Put it into your conversations. Put it into your actions at work. Put it into your time at school with classmates and with teachers. Put it in at home. But it's hard. It's challenging. But how we view the master matters. Our response to the master is everything. See, the Christian life we learn from the teachings of Jesus is all about the overflow. And our intimacy with God impacts our relationship with others. Our intimacy with God impacts whether we preserve the capital or we give it away and we invest it. I love what Ellen White said in Christ's Object Lessons, page 381. She says, as followers of Christ, we should make our words such as to be a help and an encouragement to one another in the Christian life. Far more than we do, we need to speak of the precious chapters in our experience. We should speak of the mercy and loving kindness of God, of the matchless depths of the Savior's love. Our words should be words of praise and thanksgiving. Listen, if the mind and heart are full of the love of God, this will be revealed in the conversation. It will not be a difficult matter to impart that which enters into our spiritual life. Great thoughts, noble aspirations, clear perceptions of truth, unselfish purposes, yearnings for piety and holiness will bear fruit in words that reveal the character of the heart treasure. When Christ is thus revealed in our speech, it will have power in winning souls to him. It's the overflow. It's the overflow. If the mind and the heart are full of the love of God, The capital of the kingdom just comes out of us. And it just naturally spills into the lives of others. Now, oftentimes we can say, or we might hear, you know, I would love to talk about the love of God, or I would love to sing about the love of God. I don't have a voice. You know, I can't sing, and and I can't speak in front of people, and I can't do this. And, you know, in our society, we put people in the public eye usually up here. But you know, my experience in, in life and in, as I read the scripture and I look at the life of Jesus, there is an area in life that I have found is the most, most powerful means of the capital of the kingdom getting out into the lives of others. And it's the area of brokenness and pain. And those aren't things that our society values very much. We don't, we don't cherish the things of the weak. We, we lift up those in power. But yet, when you look at the very way that that God himself brought out all the capital of the kingdom into the lives of people, it was through what Isaiah refers to as the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Through his brokenness, we are healed. Through his life on the cross, Satan lost the battle. It was through his stripes and through his piercing and through his death, his brokenness, that we all have the capital of the kingdom. And so what makes us think that it's through our strengths that the, the kingdom's capital is going to be released? Yes, it may, but I find that it, it gushes out through brokenness and through pain. And every single one of us here have experienced that in our life. Every single one of us, and we, we try to cover it up, but I want to encourage you to to take that brokenness in your life, surrender it to God, and allow the Holy Spirit to extend the graces of the kingdom through the broken areas of your life. Because that's where I see the most incredible things happen in people's lives. There's, um, well, he was in first service, but uh, some of you know the story of 
of um, the Wilkins and the loss of their son several years ago. And I have Dave Wilkins come to uh, my class on God and human suffering with uh, med students at Loma Linda. And he comes and he shares some of the journey of him experiencing the loss of their family, experiencing the loss of their son. And some of you might know this story if you've been around for a while, but it was a story I learned a few years back. And Dave will tell you, and I think it's okay, I, I normally I ask permission, but he's not here, so I can't ask permission. But he tells it in front of people. It's part of his testimony, so I think it's okay to, and those of you who know him well, it's probably okay, right? Yes, you're, thank you. So I'll say I, I asked your permission. And he tells the story about after they lost their son, how he walked to the mailbox, and there was a, a letter from, from Dr. Wise. And it was a prayer. And it was based out of scripture, and it was Dr. Wise praying for the Wilkins and the loss of their son. And he said it didn't stop. You see, Dr. Wise and his wife had lost a son as well. So out of their brokenness, they were, they were, they were taking the capital of the kingdom, the grace, the compassion, and the mercy, and pouring it towards the Wilkins. And you know what? Dave will share that every single week there was a letter from the Wise family. Every single week, I think it was for a year, maybe more, he would go to his mailbox and there it was, another letter from the wise, praying scripture for their family in the loss of their son. Brokenness and pain. Amazing how the graces of the kingdom come through and touch lives and make a difference. I want to encourage you this morning that Wherever those broken spots are in your life, wherever that pain is, don't hide it. Don't put it away. Surrender it to God and allow that to be an amazing channel of God's graces to pour into the lives of the other human beings that you know in this life. Because it's through the suffering that amazing graces often happen. I want to share a couple of passages with you. A couple of passages from the epistles just to remind us about some of this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Paul says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So don't get lost in all the words here, but basically it's saying that God himself, Jesus, came down and he conquered the evil one. You see, when a king would conquer an evil one, they would take all the goods and bring them back to the, to the village and to the kingdom. And so when Jesus came down to earth, he beat Satan. He conquered the evil one. He said, it is finished. And now there's nothing that can hold back the power of the kingdom and the lives of people. And so now he gives graces to his people, and, and now he gives these good gifts to his people. And so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. 
Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, church, our talents and our skills are not what this is all about. It's about the capital of the kingdom, the graces of the kingdom that God extends into the lives of human beings. And yes, through through talents and through gifts, they can be invested in the lives of others. But it's never about us, is it? It's a supernatural work of Christ through us. And that's why even something unimaginable as brokenness and pain and suffering can be an amazing avenue of the graces of the kingdom in the lives of other human beings. Recently, um, uh, and I forgot to ask my son if I could talk about this. It's nothing personal. It just kind of involves you, but it's mostly about someone else. But you're kind of involved. So I owe you twice as much. Um, MGA, and one, I think it was, is it life skills class you guys are taking? You had to job shadow somebody? Is that the class? They have a life skills class at Mesa Grande Academy. And uh, Tuesday was a job shadowing day. So, so Drew uh, decided to shadow a friend of mine named Preston who lives down in Temecula. He's a, a school teacher in the public school system there. He teaches uh, junior, I think junior uh, literature, English classes and creative writing classes and so forth. So he decided he wanted to go hang out with Preston for the day and kind of see what this public school world's all about and uh, see really what my friend does. It's kind of hard to imagine that Preston works on. Huh? He's kind of a silly guy. <laughs> Talented guy, wonderful guy, uh, wonderful musician, wonderful man of God, been surfing for decades, um, witty, humorous. Um, also, he's, been, he's a recovering alcoholic. I think he's been sober for a little over 20 years. Good friend of mine. And so he went. So after I picked Andrew up, we were talking. I said, so what are some things you observed? What did you notice? What, what did you see? And he talked about some things, but the thing that stood out most, if I heard Andrew correctly, was how the relationship was the relationship that Preston had with all those kids. And he said that there were kids who came up in different classes and would talk to Preston about things in their life. Things that you don't just go to class, take a class and leave, but like things in their life that you could tell that, that Preston had invested some time with these kids and was genuinely loved them. And, and so we were talking and I said, so where do you think Preston got that from? Who do you learn that from? And we, we realized that he learned that from Jesus. Amen. That Preston spends a lot of time at the feet of Jesus. And that the classroom, while he's a very gifted teacher and it's definitely a talent of his and, and a musician and all these other things, those were just the means. The classroom was not the end for Preston. English was not the end for Preston. That was the means to invest the capital of the kingdom in the lives of teenagers. And that's why he went to work every day. 
that yes, it's important to learn these things, but it's the graces of the kingdom and the lives of people that this life is about. So church, as we wait for that second advent, as we wait for Jesus to return, let's have nothing to do with preserving the capital of the kingdom. But let's lavishly give it away and invest it in the lives of people. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your kingdom and for all the amazing capital of your kingdom, your graces, your mercy, your love, your forgiveness, your redemption, your, how we can go on and on. Graces that are worth more than $350,000, more than millions, billions of dollars. Graces that people with lots of wealth would pay all they have to have peace of mind, deep joy, eternal life. What a joy and honor it is, Lord, to be graced by you. Give us the vision, Lord, every day to give away the capital of your kingdom in reckless ways, ways that we might even be accused of being irresponsible with, just as you were. Let's take a moment now in silent prayer to listen to our master this morning. Now as we go, may we thoroughly allow ourselves to enjoy the graces of the kingdom of God. And may we share those lavishly with those we live, play, and work with. God bless you.